Welcome back to another episode of the China Startup Pulse. You're looking glass into the Chinese and Asian startup ecosystem for anyone that wants to launch, join, invest in startup, or simply wants to learn more about new trends and innovation in this part of the world. Today's episode is going to be a double special episode. We're recording from Money 2020 China out of Hangzhou, and we're starting a new series of episodes with investors where we are going to be talking about due diligence. Today's guest is Carmen Chan founding managing partner of Click Ventures, one of the top global seed funds based out of Hong Kong. In today's episode, Carmen, an investor with a strong background in data, is going to share a lot of insights about how they evaluate traction, what type of numbers they look for, how they look into the team in relation to attraction, how they react to data. She's also going to talk about the type of things that, as an early stage investor, she's looking for companies to have ready, and what type of things She's okay with these funders fixing along the way. Finally, as a global investor, Carmen is going to share some insights about the differences between due diligence in China and the West. This is Oscar Ramos. I'm going to be your host for today. And without any further ado, let's welcome Carmen. Well, the first guest that we have today is going to be Carmen Chan, founder and managing partner of Click Ventures. Click Ventures is the only seed fund that has been selected by Prequin as one of the top five seed funds globally in the 2003-2015 vintage. She is a PhD dropout from Imperial College in financial mathematics. She's got a strong background in math and probability, something that she uses a lot in this game of investment. Welcome to today's podcast, Carmen. Thank you very much. Okay, Carmen, the idea of today's podcast is to talk about due diligence. There's a lot said about uh, how firms make decisions on investment, but uh, there's a lot of companies that actually never, once an investor wants to invest, they never go to the next phase because they fail the due diligence. Mm -hmm. But before we talk about due diligence, can you tell us a little bit about Click Ventures, your investment strategy, and what type of projects are you investing? So for Click Ventures, I think part of the reason for our investment thesis is related to my background. So before I become an investor, I was actually an internet tech entrepreneur for 17 years. And in the same time, I was also a tech columnist. So throughout the entrepreneurship hands-on experience, and also as a columnist, I write about a lot of uh, internet business model. We love a certain kind of internet business model that we think it can leverage the internet or the new mobile technology. So we focus on that kind of business model. We always talk about we are sector agnostic. We, we can invest across different sectors, but we cherry pick the business model that we like. And what is the stage that you normally invest? We focus uh, from C to Series A stage. And what's the typical investment that you make in every company? So around 100,000 US dollar to 1 million US dollar. So let's imagine that you, I mean, you just met this founder, this team, you like them, you've done some initial evaluation about the company, and you want to proceed to invest in the company. But before you do that, there's a due diligence phase. So what are the things that you verify to make sure that the investment is solid? So for us, because we focus on C to Series A stage, and actually, most of our first ticket is in the seed stage, very, very early. So these companies, they tend to 
only operate for around six months or maximum one year. We tend not to look at those has been around for many years. And so for these companies, they don't have a much data, financial data for you to do diligence. The way we do diligence is to first check the traction of the company. So based on the traction that they achieved in the last six months, we look at the different infection point, and we try to understand the founder whether they know how to evaluate their own traction, whether they have set up their own KPI, and more importantly, is whether they know how to, based on their traction, to iterate their model. Because we believe from day zero, the initial stage of your business model. You may not have the perfect market product fit in the beginning, so you need to be able to evaluate and iterate to fine tune your model until you find the best product market fit. So that's why the knowledge of being able to evaluate is very important to us. And we, you know, if you have two founders, one just tell us, "Oh, we have the perfect model." The other tell us the whole process how they start from zero and what strategy they use initially and what's the outcome and how he fine tune the strategy. We like that one more. So it's the knowledge which is more important. So you look into the traction not just as a picture of the company, but how the funders are able to make decisions with the, with exactly. that information. How much attention you pay to companies having the right infrastructure to capture metrics and to capture numbers? A lot. Yeah. Basically, for seed stage investment, that part is very important. The way they evaluate, the speed they learn. And the ability they execute, and then finally the ability to change strategy to fine tune the model. These are very important elements for us. So you mainly work with companies in the digital internet space. In your opinion, what are the best tools to measure traction? So usually the founder depends on what kind of business model they are focusing. If they are B to C model, then they will have a lot of a third-party SDK that they can use to measure the traction of their mobile app. If they are B to B, then it will be different.、Mm-hmm. So it will be like the pipeline, how much pipeline they have, what is the selling cycle, and then、uh, how sticky is the client, things like that. Is there any particular tools that you think are more friendly in terms of making decisions or evaluating a company from an investor perspective? For us, we don't have tool to help us, but we find that a lot of the founder, they for those who are very good at learning, they usually have found a very relevant tool for them and very good for their own business, and we learn a lot from them actually. So there's no preference、uh, in terms of like mixed panel or amplitude or any specific tool. Do you think that's something that evolves a lot, and that founders are the ones that need to actually, be able to find yeah, the best actually, ones? Actually, through the due diligence, we learn a lot from the founder. What kind of tools they use 
for example, like how they generate the lead for the pipeline, how they find the contacts, all these strategy. Different founder got different resources and tools they use, and yeah, sometimes it's very good.、Mm-hmm. You mentioned that because you're working mainly with、uh, companies in the very early stage, these metrics in terms of the performance of the product and,、uh, and the ability of the team to make decisions on these tools is very important. In the financial due diligence part, is there anything that for you would be a red flag that even if might not be a key decision for moving forward for an investment, could be something that can make you think, okay, maybe we should stay away from this company? Yeah. So yeah, you are very right. Usually for the financial DD, for us, it's not something to help us to do investment decision, but it would be sometimes something raise a red flag. For example, if they have a very like the cap table have a very strange cap table structure, this would be a red flag. Can you describe、um, what's a strange cap table? Strange cap table, for example, like some of the seed stage founder, they bring in advisor type of people who is not helping, you know, not committing a a lot of time, just acting as an advisor, but they take up a big chunk of the shares. I've seen one advisor take up to twenty five percent. This is definitely a red flag. Usually, I will. For that kind of case, I will ask the founder to talk to the advisor. I explain to them and give them the template of an advisor agreement and some market practice, so that they can restructure. And we encourage the advisory share for those advisor type of people to be around zero point two percent up to one or two percent, but not too much. Yeah, that's one red flag. Another red flag is if the traction of the company actually generate by burning a lot of marketing money, especially before fundraising. So they just use money to push the matrix. These are also red flags.、Hmm. You talk a lot about metrics at the beginning as a metrics in terms of growth. Do you do any due diligence in the product? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. technology, like、yeah. how solid、uh, you you do some audits on the code. Ah,、uh, we don't do code auditing for the product DD. We focusing on the user experience and the UX design, trying to understand whether they have the product management expert in their team, whether the UX design is good enough. Because sometimes we find that some of the entrepreneur they have very good idea, but when we look at the actual product, sometimes the UX design is not sophisticated enough. It reflects the team didn't have enough expert. So, how important is that the team has structured process to think about the product? Like、mm-hmm. it's not that somebody wakes up one day and says like, "I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that." So,、mm-hmm. how important for you? Is that the team has a very disciplined approach to make product decisions? So this is pretty related to the founder due diligence part because when they talk about the traction in the last six months, it would be related to how they have the initial product and then how they measure the matrix and fine tune the product. So, for example, like mobile app, some of the team in a very early stage. They will have the iteration weekly. 
So every week they review the traction and they fine tune the app on a weekly base. And then when they have a more stable product, they will transition to a monthly base or even by monthly base product service improvement. But usually, founder need to have some planning ahead of the schedule. So instead of just having all the features you push out in the same time, usually it's better to have a schedule like you only push one or two new feature every version, and then you have some other features queuing up in different version. Do you like to check plan. product roadmaps for companies? Yeah. And what would be the time that you'll be expecting in terms of a product roadmap? The time? Are you looking for a one year, three months, uh, five years uh, product roadmap? It doesn't matter that much, actually, because usually they will change. So if you plan for one year, sometimes it may not be that realistic, but at least a few months, yeah. Okay. And a lot of investors say that, uh, that uh, one of the, especially in early stage, one of the key things that they look at when they evaluate a potential investment is actually the funding team. You already mentioned two things that you're looking into the team. You're looking into how data-driven uh, mm-hmm. they are and um, how disciplined and, and open they are in terms of uh, the way they, they build a product. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you look in the due diligence phase about the team? So a lot of those standard things that every investor will look at, like how long the team has been working with each other and also what's their experience. Are they complement each other or is there any hold? For example, maybe they have a good CEO, COO, but they don't have a CTO, things like that. So these are pretty standard. So when you look into a lot of early stage startups, they don't have a complete team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're missing one key function. Yeah. If a company comes to you and says, okay, this is the team that we have right now. Mm-hmm. We are aware that we have this weakness. And uh, this would be a new person that we want to bring in once we raise investment. Mm-hmm. This is something that you like, or this is something that you think, why is this person not joining now? And they're waiting for investment. Yeah, actually for me, it's okay if, you know, they have already one more team member, which is complementing the other team member, but not joining yet. Actually, it's okay for us because sometimes some of the entrepreneurs, they have a different reason they cannot join full-time. Maybe they have a family they need to support. So they need to wait for the funding. It's understandable. So actually, it's okay for us. Carmen, if you were to think about a... Any of the reasons why a team it does not pass your due diligence process? I mean, do you reject a lot of teams in due diligence phase? Not many cases like that. Once a while, yeah, once a while, I can see the team dynamic is not very good. And you can feel actually, I remember there's one team in US. I like the founder, the CEO very much. But when I meet the whole team, including the CEO, CTO, COO, it's very obvious that the COO is, you know, you can feel the COO is leaving. You can feel that. And so for that team, I didn't invest. And then after a few months, it turned out that the COO really left the company. Yeah. So it happens sometimes, but not very often. One more thing we evaluate is uh, whether the team, they have 
everything set up already before we invest. So things like the founder vesting plan, option pools, advisory agreement for the advisors. These are some basic things we want them to sort out first before we invest. Especially the founder vesting plan is very important, and we prefer four years founder vesting. Instead of three years, because we think three years is too short, and a lot of the team they will use one year clip for the founder vesting plan, but we think one year is also too short because imagine if you have the founder vesting plan for three years and one year clip. So if one of the co-founder, after working with you for one year, he decides to leave. And he can take up one third of the shares that he's supposed to have, and actually this is a big percentage. And if this company is still in the seed stage, it will discourage the investor to invest in the company. So in that case, for seed stage company, we usually encourage them have a four-year founder vesting plan and two years clip instead of one year. Do you normally reset the vesting period if a company comes to you and they sign already a, a vesting agreement and they've been already running for a year? Mm-hmm. Will you expect them to? If you're leading the round, will you be expecting to change and restart again the vesting, or you can continue? So for us, we seldom reset the founder vesting period, and because we usually co-invest instead of leading a round. So we follow the lead investors' terms.、Mm-hmm. So considering that that you are leading, how much space you have for your own due diligence, and how much you, do you rely on the existing the lead investor due diligence? So it would be more like a division of labor. So usually the lead investor they will do a lot of financial due diligence, and for us we focus more on the funding team knowledge due diligence. And also the business model traction due diligence. Okay, and then my final question would be: You make investments globally. You have investments in the U.S. You also have investments in Asia. Is there anything particularly different that you look at in Asian companies that you think is more relevant to check than in companies from other parts of the world? So our investment is in Silicon Valley, New York, and Hong Kong. Most of the investment and Occasionally, we have some investment in other countries like Europe, like Estonia, Israel, and so for most of the company in US, we find that they are pretty ready in terms of the things I just mentioned, like founder vesting plan, option pool, advisory agreement. They are ready, and they they also have a law firm like Cooley to provide the legal service for them. In advance, and they have the defer payment program. But in Asia, usually、uh, there's no law firm to provide that kind of defer payment service, and startup need to pay upfront for the service, even they are just raising a seed round. So a lot of the startup they will use those local law firm to do a equity round. More startup in、uh, Asia do equity round because a lot of the investor in Asia are not used to the convertible note type of agreement, and they prefer equity round. 
so it's more popular here. And also, quite a lot of the team member they don't understand about the founder vesting plan or the team vesting plan or the option pool. So some of them are not ready. They don't have th- this kind of infrastructure yet. Another thing about the equity round I just mentioned is a lot of the company they start from Asia, like they start from Hong Kong or they start from China even. After they did the equity rounds, seed round, when they grow to a different stage, sometimes they need to attract investors from other country. For example, some of them are raising in Singapore. Some of them. Are raising in U.S. and some of the company they need to restructure. Instead of having the original company structure, they will restructure to a different country, and then they need to do the whole cap table restructuring again. So it's pretty time-consuming, and that's one of the reason why when we invest in the local startup in Asia, we will encourage them to just use a. Convertible note kind of、uh, fundraising in the seed round, and wait until Series A round to have the equity round, so that they at that time they have enough money, they have a good lawyer to draft the shareholder agreement, and they also have a more you know final company structure. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. So when a seed company approaches you and they have the right structure in place, they have、mm-hmm. vesting, they have proper agreements with their advisors with the right with a reasonable equity compensation,、mm-hmm. and、uh, they have proper documents. Is this something that、uh, that makes you feel more comfortable with the company, yeah, about the yeah, company, yeah. or makes、yeah. you feel more wary? As in, they may be doing they're spending too much upfront. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are very important for us because. We treat this as a basic knowledge. So, if a founder didn't have these in place, it's a kind of red flag. Yeah, it reflect that he didn't have、uh, the basic knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you very much, Carmen, for sharing all of these with entrepreneurs, both in Asia and other parts of the world that might be developing their business in this in this region and would like to raise from local investors. If any entrepreneurs want to contact you or Click Ventures, what would be the best way for them to do that? So they can go to our website clickventures.vc or go to our LinkedIn page, and there will be some contact information. Thank you very much, Carmen. Thank you. Hey everyone, I just want to take a quick moment to thank our sponsor, China Accelerator. They are a accelerator based in Shanghai, bringing international ideas into China and Chinese ideas international. They are number one in what they do. They are three month program, and they help build your idea and make it amazingly successful. You can find out more. At www.chinaaccelerator.com, People Squared is the original co-working space in China. It's your home for startups, no matter what you're working on, small team or large. It has all the resources, the environment, the culture, everything that you need to take your idea and make it successful. Founded by Bob Jung, an entrepreneur himself who really understands what startups need, it's a great place to bring your team and find success. You can find out more at people-squared.com. People-squared.com.